you haven't realized what we've been singing about all morning, it's about surrender. And uh, that's where we're going this morning about learning to submit, which is not sometimes a fun thing for us to do. There's a captain of a ship who looked into the dark night and he saw some faint lights in the distance. Immediately he told his signalman to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman, third class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Submission is an interesting word, and for many of us, we like to command our own battleships, don't we? Um, It's not easy sometimes to submit to the lighthouse, but this morning, I think the important thing is, is that... To be subject to authority is really, really important in our lives. And um, if you look at the word submission in the Greek, you realize that it means to subject to be authority with no possibility of resistance. Because why? He's the lighthouse. Well, the first principle I want to share with you this morning is this, is that submitting to others is directly proportional to how much we are submitting to God. Now, last week I spoke all the way through chapter 5, but I stopped at verse 21. Last week, we talked about how incredibly important it is to make the most of every opportunity, seize the day. This morning, I want to start with verse 21, because I think what it does, it gives us a heading to the rest of the chapter and on into chapter 6 as to what submission looks like, how it's fleshed out in daily lives in variable relationships. And so we're going to start with verse 21 and read through uh, 6 verse chapter, uh, verse 9. So follow along with me. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The lighthouse, if you will. Wives then submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. But serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And I would say, once again, submit to one another in reverence to Christ. All these relationships are covered by this one statement, submit to one another in reverence of Christ. Well, as we look through these verses this morning, what we're going to try and do is glean some principles out of them that really show us what submitting looks like when it comes to these relationships. And the first one I already said is that submitting to one another is directly proportional to how you're submitting to God. And then number two principle is submission is demanded when we're under God-ordained authority. Well, who are those God-ordained authorities in our life? Well, he first talks about the husband. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, when we talk about headship, we talk about authority. It's important that we do not lord that authority over, but it's a submitting kind of authority. There's a story about a couple who went to a seminar one day on marriage. And unfortunately, the man who was teaching the seminar gave way too much power to the husband, which the husband obviously thoroughly enjoyed. It was really terrible teaching, actually. Well, the husband loved it, and he had never heard anything like that in his life, and he just drank it all in. His wife, however, sat there fuming as she listened to hour after hour of this stuff. And when they left the meeting that night, the husband felt drunk with fresh power as he climbed into the car. And so while driving home, he said rather pompously, well, what did you think about that? His wife didn't utter a word, so he continued, I think it was great. When they arrived home, she got out and followed him silently into the house. And once inside, he slammed the door and said, wait right there. Just stand right there. She stood tight-lipped and stared at him. I've been thinking about what that fellow said tonight, and I want you to know that from now on, that's the way it's going to be around here. You got it? That's the way things are going to be run around this house. And having said that, he didn't see her for two weeks. After two weeks, he was able to start to see her just a little bit in one eye. When we submit to those people who are in authority, it doesn't mean that we become doormats. But the kind of authority that we want to submit to is one who really has a sense of compassion and love and understands that it's a God-given or God-ordained authority. And as I think about that, I think about what are those God-ordained authorities? Well, he goes on and talks about it with parents that were to honor father and mother. They're God-ordained authorities. Talk about slaves and masters, bosses in our lives who are, quote, God-ordained authorities. It could be elders in a church who are God-ordained authorities. It could be governing authorities. These are all God-ordained authorities, and we need to learn how to submit to them. That's what submission is all about. And even though sometimes uh, those God-ordained authorities are not the most consistent or the most submitted to, nonetheless, that's what we're called to do when it comes to those issues in our lives. Now, there's a third concept here, a third principle that I see here in this passage, and that is principle number three. Submission must be accompanied by sacrifice. Submission and sacrifice go hand in hand. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. It is a life-given 
principle that we need to be sacrificial. And he says this in verse 25, where he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and what? And gave himself up for her. It's a sacrificial kind of submission that needs to take place in a marriage, whether it's the wife to the husband, the husband to the wife. He's calling out husbands at this case. But in reality, when we submit to one another, it means that both of us need to learn how to sacrifice and make those sacrifices. In Galatians 2.20, Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What needs to be sacrificed? Well, when Paul writes that, he's saying, it's my ego that needs to be sacrificed. I need to crucify my ego. My pride needs to get out of the way. And when I learn that, now I know how to submit better to those people who are around me. That's a daily commitment to dying to ourselves, our egos, and be able to submit to one another. So submission must be accompanied by sacrifice. Are you making those necessary sacrifices in your marriage and in your home and in other relationships so that people understand that you are not only submitting to them, but to Christ? Here's principle number four. Submission provides an environment for others to be all that God wants them to be. Why do I say that? Well, if you look at verses 26 and 27, you'll see that the husband is supposed to love his wife and to present her spotless and blameless before the Lord. It says this, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He's saying, look, if a husband's really doing his job and he's allowing his wife to be all that she needs to be in terms of being Christ-like, he has created this environment by submitting to her as a good leader and giving her the privilege of being able to stand before the Lord holy and spotless and blameless before God. Now, men are called to do that, but I think that the principle of submission here is again defined that when we allow people to be under the submission of God and not our control, we're giving them the freedom to be all that God wants them to be, not what we want them to be. I hope that makes sense. See, a lot of times we want to control other people. We want to make them holy. We want to make them different. We want to change them. When reality, when we submit to the Lord... In their life, we're giving them the freedom to be what God wants them to be. Does that make sense? And so I think one of the things that we need to understand is that those of us who are maybe perhaps control freaks and want to change people and and change our kids and, and change our husband or our wife or whatever, sometimes the most powerful place we can be is just saying, you know what? I submit to you, Lord, and I give them to you, and I want them to be all that God wants them to be. And that may not look the same way as that I want it to look. So submission is is accompanied by sacrifice, but it also provides an environment for others to be all that God wants them to be. And hopefully that will produce holiness in their life as the scriptures respond to. Now here's principle number five. Submitting to others is easier when I understand how I take care of myself. This is hard to, to maybe grab a hold of a little bit, but he says in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, you say, well, you know, I don't have a deep love for my own body. But what he's saying here is, is that every time we, our bodies, we take care of. And whether we do a good or bad job of not, we do take care of our bodies. We put food in our mouths. We eat. We sleep. We, you know, we hopefully, we exercise. We do things for our bodies because they're basic human needs. 
And I think what he's saying here to us is that when we understand that we all have basic human needs that we need to take care of, that it makes us more sensitive to other people's and what their needs are as well. And so what he's saying here, if I can love myself enough, I will have a better job of understanding how other people love themselves and I can do a better job of meeting their love language. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it does make sense to me because when you understand what your needs are, chances are that's what their needs are, right? I know when I get up to preach on Sunday morning, a lot of times people will come to me after the service and say, you've been living in my living room. And I say, you know why? Because I'm living in my living room. This is what God's speaking to me about. And if chances are, if he's speaking to me about it, he's maybe speaking to you about it. So that's the idea here is that if I take care of my own body and I realize that these are simple basic needs that I have to have, then I'll be more sensitive to other people and what their basic needs are as well. And that's a part of submitting to one another. Here's principle number six. Submitting means that we must respect one another. You'll notice that in verse 33, he summarizes that little portion about marriage by saying, wives must respect their husband. Now, respect is an interesting word here. The word respect means, in the original, to look steadfastly. As I began to study this word, it was very interesting to me that what it really means is to give your undivided attention to the needs of other people. Um, respect doesn't necessarily look at the word esteem like we might think it means because honor means to esteem, but respect is more of this idea that I'm giving my undivided attention to discern what that person deserves and needs. So when he says, you know, wives respect your husbands, or when he goes on to talk about fathers exasperating their children, you think about that for a minute. And how does that apply here? Well, I think it applies here that the best, the, the, the greatest way we exasperate our kids is when we don't discern what their needs are. And, and we don't look steadfastly. We're too busy to get involved in their lives. We're too busy to listen to them, too busy to, to, to be uh, available to them. And consequently, we exasperate our kids because we're not respecting them or giving them that intense steadfastness to really discern who they are. I mean, Scripture says to bring up your child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. But bringing up a child in the way he should go is really critical to be understanding what that child needs and that, looks, that means you have to respect them or look steadfastly into their lives to discern what they need. So when we think about submission, it's all about respect. Are, are, are you as a husband giving the kind of attention that your wife needs? Are you giving your husband wives as the attention that they need? Are you giving your children, your grandchildren, those people in your life, are, they, are you giving their undivided attention? Because when you do and you're looking steadfastly, you're giving them respect. Now, what's interesting is there's a difference between honor and respect because later he says that Submitting, and this is just principle number seven, is that submitting means that we give honor to one another because he says to the children, he said, you need to honor your father and mother. Now, some of you have maybe had a father or mother that you really didn't maybe respect, but nonetheless, you still need to honor them because of their God-given authority placed in your life. So technically, you could 
honor somebody and not respect them because respect is more about uh, their character and their need rather and, and honor is more about their position okay but really you can't respect somebody without honoring them so if you do respect somebody you're literally giving them honor hope that makes sense but what he's saying here is is that we all need to be honored and we need that respect that's a part of submission of esteeming others and respecting others is really an important part of submission. So how might you esteem or honor somebody in your life and give them the necessary respect that are due? So that's all a part of what it means to be submissive, okay? To be submitting based upon these qualities that Paul is talking about in these various relationships. It's the same thing when he talks about masters and slaves. As a master or as a boss, you need to honor and respect those under your authority, you don't lord it over them. So you submit to them and giving them the kind of respect and intensity that they need to be understood. And vice versa, as an employee, you need to give respect and honor to your God-given authority. Now, perhaps you don't respect your boss, but you still need to honor them, okay? So those are the principles that I see here in these particular passages. So let me just kind of summarize some things for here this morning, because I I think these are really important principles, but I also want to give you some closing ideas that I think are really, really critical. The first one is this, that submission is not a place of weakness, but a place of strength. Submission is not a place of weakness, but a place of strength. We have somehow kind of adopted this definition of submitting as being this weak, wimpy place of meekness where I'm living under this dominance and I need to submit and humble myself and it's just this poor me kind of mentality. That's not what submission is all about. When I think of the the kenosis passage in Philippians 2 where Jesus is used as an example where he did not regard regard equality, a thing to be grasped. He didn't regard equality with, with God the Father. But he humbled himself by becoming a bondservant. But when he went to the cross, after he went to the cross and he raised from the dead, he said that God had given him the authority so that every man and woman would, would bow before him and give him the authority that he so richly deserved as king of kings and lord of lords. So the result of his submission was what? Power and authority. So submission is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. In fact, 1 Peter 3.1 talks about it again with wives. It says, wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by their behavior of their wives. So you see that submission is a powerful place. Why? Because when you submit to a person as to the Lord, you're giving God, if you will, permission to empower and, and, and convict and work in that person's life. In other words, what you're saying is, no longer am I the one trying to change or control that person. I'm releasing that control to a mighty, powerful God who can do a whole lot more in their lives than I can. Does that make sense? So sometimes we think that submission is a very weak place when in reality we're giving God this ability instead of us getting in the way, we're giving God the ability to do their work. I know there's been times in my own life where uh, there are big decisions to be made in our family or in our marriage and Lynn will say to me, honey, it's your call. And that scares me to death. You know why? Because what she's saying is, I trust you that you are going to seek the Lord in this issue and whatever you decide, it's your call. 
And that scares the living daylights out of me. It puts me in a position where if I don't submit to the Lord, I'm going to be in big trouble. But if she came along and tried to control and make the decision for me when she wanted God to be making sure that we made this decision, you see where I'm going? So when we release people, when we submit to them, we're really putting them in a better position, hopefully, for God to do his work and not us to do it. Secondly, submission is the best place to experience God's grace. when, When you submitted your life to the Lord, you experienced God's free gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But when you submitted to the Lord, you received his forgiveness and you received his grace, right? So 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, this, it talks about it again. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward an, uh, one another because God opposes the proud. But what? He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you in due time. So by experiencing submission, we receive his grace out of humility, and in due time, you will be lifted up. I think of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, where he was struggling with his thorn in the flesh. You remember that? And so Paul said, listen, my gra- your grace is sufficient for me. Why? Because power is what? Perfected in my strength? No, my weakness. When I'm submitted... To God, his power is perfected in me, and it's by his grace that he does that. So submission is the best place to experience God's grace. And yet it seems like it's really hard for us because we're all trying to be the captain of our own battleship, right? We're all trying to run our lives and do our thing when in reality, submission is a great powerful place to be because when I submit to God, it gives him the freedom to do his work in my life. And two, when I submit to God, his grace becomes totally sufficient in my life. So submitting is a wonderful thing to do. Aren't you excited about submitting today? It's it's tough. So let me give you some questions that you can kind of ponder this week as you think about your small groups. And that is this, what are some of the ways that you can demonstrate some of these qualities that I've alluded to this morning in your own home? What sacrifices can you make? How can you honor? How can you respect? How can you release some of these things? And, and maybe it's, it's time to, to maybe release your child or, or maybe you need to be more intense in terms of being steadfast with your kids or, or whether it's with each other where you become a greater person of respect. Have you given those in authority really the honor and respect they deserve? Why or why not? You know, it's hard for me to say this because I'm not a huge fan of our our, fan of our president, but he's still our president, right? He's still a God given authority in our lives. And so we somehow need to give honor to that person, even though we may not totally respect who they are. But are you honoring that, that teacher, that boss, that person in your life that is in authority over you? Are you giving them at least honor, even though maybe you can't respect them? But hopefully you can give them both respect and honor. Here's thirdly. In what ways can you create a more empowering environment for those people who are under your care and authority? In other words, husbands, what can you do to free up your wife to be all that God wants her to be? 
And what can you do as a woman, as a wife, to free up your husband to be all that she wants to be? So you empower them. You give them this empowering sense that God, uh, that I can do this. Uh, when, when my wife says, honey, you decide, you make the call. She's empowering me to make that decision, which forces me to go even deeper with the Lord to make sure that the decision I'm making is the right one that God would, would really honor. So that's the idea. In what ways can you create a more empowering environment? Maybe you're a control freak and you've got all these things under control when sometimes you just need to release your kids or you need to release your husband or your wife to give them, give God the opportunity to work in their life instead of you always trying to be the Holy Spirit. And finally, do people under your leadership feel that you are submitted to God first? Many of you wives can attest to this. That if you know that your husband is fully submitted to God, you trust him. And you know that when decisions are made, you believe that he has gone before the Lord and he is getting the answer from God, not from his own ego or for himself. So my point is, do people under your leadership feel that you are really submitted to God? Do you you kids believe that your mom and dad are fully submitted to God? Because when you understand that and when you do, it just frees you up and gives you the opportunity to not only honor them, but to respect them because you know that decisions are being made that are under God's authority. You see, this is what spiritual leadership is about. Sometimes we we define spiritual leadership as somebody who has this great understanding of scripture and they go into Bible studies and they're in church and maybe they're an elder in the church and you've got to be all this to be a spiritual leader. When in reality, there's one main quality. I submit to God first. That's what spiritual leadership's about. And if you know that that person that you trust that is in authority over you is submitted to God, it gives you a great deal of sense of peace and, 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 and assurance that God is on the throne, that God is in control. So do people under your leadership feel that you are totally submitted to God? Now we're going to translate this message today into your, hopefully into your life in the next few minutes. Because what I want to do this morning, we left communion to be at the end of the service today. Because when you think about an act of submission, an act of surrender, the greatest act of submission and surrender was Jesus at the cross, right? And, and, and so this morning, I, I go back to that scene in Gethsemane. I go back to that scene where Jesus was in absolute agony and all of his friends had sort of abandoned him because they were tired and they fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is there kneeling before his father and he's just literally sweating drops of blood and he he cries out to his father. He said, Father, if this cup could just pass through me. And then he says, No, but not my will, but thy will be done. I remember... Years ago, there was a police officer friend of mine whose wife was in serious, serious condition, and they didn't think she was going to live through the night. And I remember going to my friend Pete that day in the hospital, and he was down in the hospital chapel, and I said, Pete, you know, you're a control freak. You've been that all your life. He was a SWAT team training sergeant. You can imagine what kind of control freak he was. And I said, Pete, until you get on your knees and you give your wife to the Lord and give your life to the Lord and say, not my will, but thy will be done. It's never going to be better. And that night he did give his life to the Lord and his wife to the Lord. And she did recover. This morning, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Because as we take communion, 
My hope is that you might take yourself and put yourself in the place of Jesus. Because, you know, for a lot of us who've been a Christian for a long time, we just sang a whole bunch of songs there. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Did you mean it? Is is that reality in your life? And so this morning, I think it'd be really incredibly cool if we could come before the Lord today and reassure, renew that vow to him and say, Lord, that decision I've been trying to make, that relationship that screwed up, that, 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 that day-to-day living that I want so desperately to be submitted to you and to be able to kind of be on your knee before the Lord and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. I need to learn how to better submit to you from day to day. And I want to challenge you to do that. So in the next few minutes, we're going to have the men come and serve you the bread. And you can take that bread on your own. But I check this video. And then in a moment, we'll have the cup. And when we come to that portion, I just want to share with you an opportunity at that point. So let's take a look. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.cornerstone.com. Prescott Cornerstone.com.